everybody, welcome back to Fresh Out the Podcast, the only podcast of us, the three guys here. I'm Jahananad. It's me, Casualty CDG. I'm a retired detective, and now I'm a newspaper ad salesman in the mountains. How did I go from one to the other? You will never know. And and I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the Funhouse Drew Munhausen, and this is episode 67 of Fresh Out the Podcast. And what a number, 67, that is to talk about Black Adam. The new... You can just call him Adam Drew. You just call him Adam. The new uh, release from Dwayne The Rock Johnson or for the real Fresh Out the Podcast OGs, James The Rock Johnson, as he is known on our circuit. Um, Yeah, so Black Adam. Let's, Let's cut to the chase here, guys. The Rock has been attached to this project for like 15 years is when it first was set to play Black Adam. The movie has finally come out. So you would think after all that time, this is going to be great, right? It's going to be really good. No, I never thought that. Not since it was announced and not now. Guys, this this movie, I'm just going to come out and say it. It's bad. And I don't think we were under the impression really any point that it was going to be great, but um, it almost seemed like Warner Brothers had high hopes for this one. They you know kept it theatrical, which, of course, it's the rock. He's a box office draw. This you know, it's what you're going to do. Guys, this movie is it's bad. I mean, it's 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 real bad. Um, do you mind if I just kind of rant about it for a while? Is that yeah. So. Yeah, I do mind. No. <laughs> First off, <coughs> I mean, of course it's bad. You know what I mean? Like, no one cares about Black Adam. No one ever did. Uh, the Rock is just The Rock no matter what he does or what roles he's in or what he says. He's just The Rock. So you just know it's going to be some superhero fast and the furious uninspired bullcrap. There's, it can't be anything but that. There's No one can make anything with The Rock that isn't terrible, fast, and the furious bullcrap. The only wrestler that's good in movies is Batista, and that's really funny. And <laughs> Cena as, as Peacemaker. Oh, yeah, I mean, but hey, that's hey, he was in The Suicide Anyone Squad movie. Come on now, Suicide Squad. Oh, he was in Suicide Squad, and that was really good. Uh, that's right. No, I You're mean, right. okay, so let me let me take, a, uh, I guess, a step back here. Yeah, man, take a crack <laughs> at it. When we talked earlier this year about some of the other Marvel releases, some of the MCU releases like Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and especially Thor Love and Thunder... Um, I was feeling a bit like, where are they going with this? The, the Marvel movies to me were slipping a little bit. Let's be clear. By comparison, those films that have not received as high, you know, as high praise as some of the other MCU releases are masterpieces uh, by comparison to, to Black Adam. Black Adam is kind of a head scratcher. <laughs> it really just seems like and this isn't that surprising if you're really familiar with with the rocks uh 
movie star persona and the movies he makes, it really does just seem like the rock finally getting to make the movie where he is the strongest person in the universe who has all of the powers. Um, Black Adam is an anti-hero. It, or actually, he's a straight up villain for the most part in in the comic books and the film. Of course, they have to make him an antihero. Um, so they've set up this. I, and um, again, be transparent. I'm not familiar with all the Black Adam. I almost said Black Panther, the Black Adam lore of the comics. I don't think I've ever read a Black Adam comic book, um, but it all takes place in Kondok, uh, a fictional nation. And that has been basically an oppressed nation for since 5,000 years ago. And they've always looked to their champion who eventually takes the form of Black Adam through basically a lot of nonsense. That's all I can describe is what happened. already would have in, turned it off. It's, yeah, that's it bad. is a lot of nonsense in the setup of this film. I mean, just the most superhero bad comic book stuff that doesn't make any sense. I have a question for you. How does it compare to Venom? I liked Venom more than this film. So I'll say that oh. Venom, Venom was OK. Let there be carnage was a train. <laughs> and that one is still better than this one, too. I just it just Jeez. there's no real stakes in this movie. I mean, the thing is, Black Adam is so strong in it and basically unbeatable that you're never in any doubt that he's going to, you know, save this his city. Basically, it, he. The Justice Society is brought in in this film. It's Hawkman, Adam Smasher, Dr. Fate, and what's the tornado girl's name? Uh, Cyclone. They're brought in to stop Black Adam because basically he uses any force necessary to save his town, which which means killing people. And so, it, you know, they're trying to stop him from killing people, even if the people he's killing deserve it for being bad people. Um, which leads to just weird conflict between him and the Justice Society, which is this list of like C tier heroes that if Black <laughs> Adam's as strong as he is, why aren't the Justice League themselves being sent? Why are you sending Hawkman and Adam Smasher to to stop him? It just doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, Noah Centineo plays Adam Smasher in this film, and he's just his casting here is almost an absolute catastrophe. Like he's, he's terrible in it. He is a Netflix actor who has gained fame from the franchise. I believe it's called all the boys I've loved before. It's like a really popular rom com franchise on Netflix. And he is kind of the one that has emerged from that is the next maybe movie star. He was cast at some point to play a live action. He man in a he man and masters of the universe movie, but he's dropped out of that since. Um, so here he is as Adam Smasher and just what an absolute miss from casting. He's terrible. The one liners are terrible. He's trying to do his best. Paul Rudd, Ant-Man, um, you know, impression is being generous. It's just, I don't know. It, nothing. Is he a yeah, shrinky growing boy? He grows specifically in it. Yeah, and I think the Adam Smasher in the comics can shrink. In this film, you only see him grow. I don't know. It's just it's just a whole big mess. And 
doesn't make much sense. You're never invested in anything. It's it's just I'm having trouble even even putting into words so my thoughts like on this because it was just such a disaster. What, nine, eight point yeah, five. Give, give it a number. I gave it a three it? out of ten. Ooh. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> Man, that might be an all-time low I'll, for you on this I show. will give a shout-out to Pierce might Brosnan be. in this, who plays Dr. Fate, who is basically just Dr. Strange, um, but with a cool helmet. Um, but at least he's a seasoned actor who's bringing some gravitas to it. Do like, you, he's good in it. Do you oh. see his face no. through the helmet? No. Okay, good. I know you're not supposed to. I know what Dr. Fate's helmet looks like, but uh, I was just worried. No, you do not see his face nah, when boo. he's wearing the helmet, and the helmet looks cool. Dr. Fate's a cool character, man. Oh, I was excited. To, I was excited to see Dr. Fate. Uh, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate could probably be picked up and plucked from that movie and shoved into the DC. It's a good like a casting, permanent, man. Permanent it's figure. a good casting, and that's he a good is character. for sure the best part of the film. There is a... This is the part that would... Uh, Gary would go nuts about this. Remember when we said that DC should have James Gunn take over, and then now James Gunn took over? And I'm wondering. We did if, say that on, on our if pod. DC listens to our podcast. So if you do, DC, then pluck Pierce Brosnan and bring him over and stick him in James Gunn's DC verse. All right, Drew. Sorry to interrupt you. Tell me about this, the. Awesome no, this is going to be something that Gary would just absolutely go nuts for. Um, when, because let's be clear, I think both of you are probably going to see this movie eventually, despite the negative review, just to be like, is it that bad? It's one of those. Um, but there is a a young boy in this in this movie named Amon, uh, and he Targaryen. He hey! is a teenager who. Legit seems like he's plucked out of the 90s Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Um, backwards hat, nice. you know, riding around on a skateboard, becomes friends with Black Adam. And it is just the the cheesiest thing. And this film, it, it's like it doesn't know what it wants to be because you've got Black Adam just straight up murdering people with lightning and their faces melting off. But then this teenage character that's like, you know, the conduit for kids to relate to the movie and be like, oh, yeah, that's that's my guy. This kid with the skateboard befriending Black Adam. But like just minutes ago, Black Adam's just destroying everyone. I, I don't know. It's like it's like, what's up, Ninja Turtles? Let's hang out. Oh, you guys done murdering? Like kind of like that. Yeah. Like what it feels like. I <laughs> I'd watch that. I would watch leading. I would watch that movie all over a room and they're just eating pizza, hanging out. Tubular, yeah, no, that the sounds. The plot like legitimately surrounds a the last descendant of the king of and militant leader of this city where Black Adam is the hero, um, gets this crown that basically allows him to be possessed by demons, and he becomes a big Satan monster, and and Black Adam and him fight. He's like a big devil, strong guy. Um, and they fight. Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's a thing that happens with this crown. You do see uh, the there. It, it does get into the Shazam lore. So I'll say that it does. You know, the wizard and Shazam. And all that, you know, it's all here. They're connected. It better. And I will say a, a couple brief spoilers. One shout out to Jennifer Holland, who plays Harcourt from Peacemaker. If you recall, she does show up uh, in this movie uh, uh, for a brief 
minute uh, playing her same character working for Amanda Waller and the Suicide Squad. It's it's related. Isn't isn't that James Gunn's wife? I believe so. Or they were dating or something. They were in a relationship or they, they might be married. I'm, I'm honestly not sure off the top of my head. I think they're married. Um, and are you both aware of the post credit scene of this film? All right. Nope. I'm going to spoil it if that's okay. Spoilers, Spoilers. for the post credit scene of of Black Adam. And you all might kind of have an idea because there has been news this week that is related to this. So the film, the film uh, ends. Yeah. Black yeah. Adam's chilling and he gets a message from Amanda Waller played by Viola Davis, right? She shows up and she basically is telling him that he needs to stay in line. And he's like, yeah, okay. Nobody from this planet can stop me. And she's like, well, if I need to, I'll find people from not on this planet to stop you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And then destroys the, the camera that's talking to him. And in this, there's smoke. And then you see a figure and out steps Henry Cavill as, as Superman. And uh, he talks to Black Adam and says, you know, man, I'm Superman. And Black Adam smiles and does the people's eyebrow and then ends. He doesn't. I don't think he actually does do the people's does he, eyebrow, but he does. A, okay. a, it was on this very stream that I said that if Henry Cavill doesn't play Superman for the rest of time that we're alive, then. DC does not know what the hell they're doing. And then they've got their Superman. So he, he recently, I saw that uh, Henry Cavill recently is so they got confirmed. James Gunn and they got Superman. So I think someone at DC all, creative is putting an ear to fresh out the podcast. All I they need it. is James Gunn and Henry Cavill and they can make it work. I think you toss in that, that Piercy bras as Dr. Fate, right? You the start, you start, you start cooking with some canola. All right, mm-hmm. that's that's starting to get pretty fresh. I agree. I think there's. I think they got some fresh ingredients brewing over the DC mm. department right now. Mm, so Black fresh. Adam, I think Black Adam suffers from being made. First of all, over 15 years of DC being a train wreck. So of course it's <laughs> going to be a train wreck. It's been around during every stage of DC being a train wreck. But really, if Black Adam had come out in five or six years from now, now that James Gunn has the reins, it probably would have been a pretty decent S- film. Uh, the ingredients are there. It's just not quite, you know, they didn't pepper the, it at the right time. This know, one for sure comes straight out of the like Zack Snyder school of storytelling as well. Um, in the sense of Boo. it does feel like a lot of the action is straight out of 2007. Do you remember when after 300 came out a Zack Snyder movie? Um, there were, you know, it's praised for its action, but there was a lot of those scenes were like random slow-mo throughout. And that's been kind of Zack Snyder's calling card. There's a lot of that in this movie for no reason, like just action scenes that just go into slow-mo just so you can see the rock either shooting lightning at somebody or punching somebody in slow-mo. It's like truly, truly grotesque the amount of slow-mo cg action they use in this so it for sure comes out of the zack side zack snyder superhero storytelling book um it's gross it's it's not good do you want to know a really funny way that i troll jahan in in real life that that i've never told him before drew i use my ai app that draws like art and paint to draw the 300 version of the Persians. And I I just type in like Xerxes jewelry Persians 
over and over and over and just make it render a bunch of images of the wrong kind of Persians. Um, those movies, those movies are a crime against my people. So (laughs) I make sure I get them carrying daises and things like that. (laughs) And androgynous godmen decked in jewelry with no honor. Yeah, thanks. We'll be remembered. Yeah, I type in all the time for the AI to draw me Persians with no honor. So, so I just want to. I'm just, just about to transition y'all from this <laughs> um, to basically just talking about The Rock as a movie star, because that's the interesting conversation to have out of all this. Fun fact about The Rock, he was not in 300 and he is not Persian. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and I just wanted to say, like, where are y'all at on The Rock yeah as a movie star because i've said this before i have like a weird dedication to him just from my old wrestling fandom and i just feel like he's still kind of my guy even though i feel like he's made a lot of trash um and and i just feel like it's only been going downhill lately like i I, like red notice was so bad um i actually liked Jungle Cruise, the Jumanji movies are mixed. Hobbs and Shaw should have been better. You know, it's just like a mixed bag. It's all about that. It's all about that race to Witch Mountain, bro. Hobbs and Shaw was awful. I don't know how you liked Jungle Cruise. That just should have been burned <laughs> in the script room. I liked I have... the newest Jumanjis, sort of. But now I've seen enough Rock and Kevin Hart to last me a lifetime. They're nowhere near as funny together as they think they are. And the director... <laughs> I'm big. I'm big. He's small. Colette Sarah <laughs> directed Jungle Cruise, also directed Black Adam. So that's worth noting. Well, there's your problem. Yeah, I think maybe that person shouldn't get working. He, he directed a good run um, of like those... You know when Liam Neeson would have has his annual action movie random one this those aren't good either only taken was good and then all of the other ones were trash that guy needs to get fired Colette that guy Sarah is directed scum. that guy is an he directed awful unknown nonstop run all night and the commuter which are all Liam Neeson action movies all of those just sounded like words I didn't know those were <laughs> those are like those movies that you would like you'd go to Blockbuster on release Friday night and it would still be they're there. all like so prime January because releases when nothing else is in theaters like I guess I'll go see the Liam Neeson action movie because there's trash. nothing else to see every this time he's on a plane this time he's on a trash. train now he's in a box <laughs> right. now he's with the fox um but yeah it's just like I, I'm always gonna be there for the rocks movies so. like actually looking back Black Adam, League of Super Pets, Red Notice. Apparently, he's a voice cameo in Free Guy, Jungle Cruise, Jumanji, Hobbs and Shaw, Fighting with My Family, Skyscraper, Rampage, Jumanji, Baywatch, Fate of the Furious, Moana, Central Intelligence. Like, I've seen all of these. I've seen all of them. And not any of them are like. The Rock is just so. I pity bad, you, Drew. Man. I pity you, Drew. So, like, I don't know, man. He has some decent movies. He does have some decent ones. Uh, some of the best movies he's been in, he was barely in, like The Mummy Returns. He was only in that for like a brief moment. That movie's really good, though. Uh, 
I actually really did enjoy the Scorpion King. I thought that that was actually a really good rock movie. Uh, I liked the rundown. I feel the like the rundown. Was like first, no, the Scorpion King. The rundown. Was like his first that's what I was just saying. The rundown was solid. The rundown with yeah with Sean William Scott. Uh, that movie's pretty good. I thought that was it was it had the right humor. Uh, so this is exactly. I'm I'm starting to figure it out. I'm I'm hearing the pieces get put together. The Rock is always tries to get marketed as this badass. And when he yeah. does, it's really flat and just almost unwatchably cringy. But the ones that are comedies, uh, The Rock shines a little bit more. Uh, in The Rundown, in Jumanji, uh, you know, these are the kind of breakout roles where he's funny and we like seeing him, but not so much with him as Black Adam. The Tooth Fairy. Or, oh God, <laughs> the Tooth Fairy. Um, but I think that's that's for me is you know he's he the Rock sort of has a couple of different personalities and the one I I always liked in wrestling was him burning people making jokes and being a funny guy uh, pretending to be a badass or pretending to be like an alpha bro like I'm so awesome no one can fight me like that's just not interesting that's not a fun character and it's not an interesting storytelling mechanism. Uh, just someone who's badass for the sake of being badass. It's only believable when it's Keanu Reeves. Fair. <laughs> yeah, no, so, I mean, I guess my favorite movies of his, yeah, are going to be The Rundown, Scorpion King, Walking Tall, I actually thought was actually pretty solid. Um, obviously, Moana, great movie. He was, I mean, he was a good pick for Maui. Um, Jumanji, I'll agree with you guys that the first Jumanji movie is pretty good. Um, do, you, do you like him as Hobbs? I mean, he has a do couple like good ones. Do you like him as Luke Hobbs in the Fast and Furious movies? Never seen a single Fast and the Furious movie Gosh, with him what, in it. What are we doing he's not, here? He's not Luke Hobbs in those movies. <laughs> he's The Rock. Uh, and that's he's sort of that's, that's when his career hit that point. I mean, he was The Rock, and that was Vin Diesel. And it didn't matter that it was Toretto or Hobbs. And then Hobbs and Shaw was also a terrible movie, not to get the, sidetracked. The but. only good Fast and Furious movie is Tokyo Drift. Uh, <laughs> the first one's bad. The second one's not good. And then after the third one, I never watched another one in the franchise. So, no, Drew, I don't think he's particularly... I mean, he's not bad in those, but that's, that's the kind of movie I expect The Rock to be in. He's just playing himself... He's all greased up with his muscles showing, and he's, I'm a badass, and I'm going to make a quip. And that's it. That's what The Rock is for. Uh, It's not some high-quality entertainment. He's almost like the Stallone of our generation. Just, yeah, I just feel like he, you know... Stallone's Stallone's just, better. Yeah, than I mean Rocky. that's the thing. Like Stallone's been nominated <laughs> for Oscars most for playing Rocky and such, but he's had his his role. The Rock hey, has like a lot of feelings. I don't think about the Rock this. is really interested in that. I think he just wants to be the most powerful guy on screen. And and there's been all the stories about the contracts for the Fast and the Furious movies and him and Vin Diesel and the the butting of heads there, but how neither one could, you know, throw more punches than the other, or they couldn't, you know, get the upper hand or they had to be treated equally, like all kinds of weird stuff because they didn't want to be one show up as stronger than the other. They didn't want it to hurt their brand. Both of them have a brand. Right. Of being a and badass. you get a guy like Batista, who's Jahan's mentioned, who, you know, yes, can play Drex the destroyer. And I really love him in that role, but he can do some dramatic stuff like we've seen in, Blade Runner 2049 in a small part and, you know, other 
So he was yeah, really he's good. Done in some that. really great roles. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in Glass Onion, the the Knives Out sequel, and you know he Ooh, can, he yeah. has a bit more range. I don't think the Rocket. He was great. I actually really liked Stuber. Yeah, he's good in Stuber. I like Stuber. <laughs> I just feel like. But this the is Rock stuff, isn't man. gonna at this point in his career because if you look at all these films, he's always been a lead or at the very least a co-lead. Black Adam, Red Notice, you know, co-lead with with Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. You've got Jungle Cruise, Jumanji, Hobbs and Shaw. The last one where he was a more supporting role was Fighting with My Family. The and he played himself, so you know it almost doesn't really count. Yeah, he produced it. He did. Sort of he too, did. Mm-hmm. And so, but then before that, Skyscraper, yeah. Rampage, Jumanji, Baywatch. You are forgetting arguably one of his best roles, Doom. We haven't talked about Doom, but he but he's been. The role of playing I like himself Doom. in Fighting I like for Doom. Family was such a weird role, too. He was, like, really kind of came out of nowhere. And she went to him for, like, sage advice, and he gave her, like, this really fucking scripted WWE John Cena monologue of advice to how you can make it in the world as a wrestler no matter how hard you try, and you've got your family in your corner. And it was just, like, so cheesy. It didn't feel like a real conversation at all. Yeah, it's it's... I think the thing is, is I don't see him taking any supporting roles where he's going to be having fun or making fun of himself or taking a dramatic turn. Like the biggest dramatic turn I've seen him take now is Black Adam, where basically the most charismatic guy in the room now plays the most stone faced, uncharismatic hero. Like he's everything in Black Adam is toned down. He's this guy that's been asleep for 5000 years and he's quiet and doesn't they they try to almost do some some drax humor like he doesn't understand sarcasm but none of it plays as funny none of it it's just i don't know i just don't see him ever taking a turn from being the big muscular leading man and it doesn't help that his physique and size and everything keep him from playing any normal human kind of similar i feel like it's the same problem that john cena has but Batista's yeah. kind of been able to get around it. He's huge and muscular, but he's played. See, here's the thing. Yeah, I want to say that. Here's the thing about Batista. I think that's like keyly the difference, right? The Rock entered acting. I'm the Rock. That's what he did. He went in. I'm Dwayne the Rock fucking Johnson. This is me. Now I'm acting. I think Batista went into it, maybe started off that way, but I think he actually started listening to the other people around him. I think he started like learning from the other actors he was working with. And I think he started taking it seriously as a craft because he, he, he shows humility in, uh, in some of the roles he chooses and some of the side roles. That just he to spread a little bit of wrestling knowledge on here, just to put a big scoop of WWE history. Hey, go um, ahead. That's one of the things that they said, they being the wrestlers, uh, about Dave was that he came from bodybuilding, but they stuck him with Ric Flair and Triple H. And they didn't so much teach him how to wrestle as they taught him how to act like a professional. And so that was the point in his career that he started wearing $10,000 suits and wearing sunglasses is because he was learning from these guys on how to play the part. He was learning from Ric Flair on how to dress and learning from Triple H on how to wrestle. Uh, and so he is that guy. He is a sponge, and he does listen, and he takes notes. He, and he has exactly humility. Exactly it. 
Yeah. When he went to Guardians of the Galaxy, I remember James Gunn saying that Batista was one of the easiest guys to direct because he almost treats it like military. You tell him to do it, and he does it. There's not, I think my character would do this, or should we try it this way? He just does exactly what you want, and he just nails it. And so there, there is something about him that's totally coachable. Yeah, man. And like, I have a lot of respect for, for Dave Batista. He really does seem like a humble guy. Uh, and I, it's a rock. I've been going through a bit of a wormhole here, just looking at his credits, because to your point, you know, when Batista was in, I call him Batista because like as a wrestling fan, he's Batista to me, but every movie, every movie that he's been in, I think was Drax his first on-screen performance in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it was his first film. No, no, maybe he was in something before that, but I feel like he's always been. No, he was in uh, Man in the Iron Fist way before right. that, and he was also in That's Riddick. Right. And I, I believe, believe in all those, he was credited as Dave Bautista, is his his name. And I was looking, and The Rock was credited as The Rock in The Scorpion King, The Rundown, Walking Tall. You know, all those are The Rock is the name above the title. Even in Be Cool, he's credited as The Rock. Doom. And Southland Tales looks to be the first movie where he was credited as Dwayne Johnson. Or or maybe then it, it might have been Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But no, no, Dwayne Johnson's what it says on the poster. So there you go. That's when he kind of started transitioning to, I'm not going to be The Rock anymore. I'm going to be Dwayne Johnson. Um, and now that's what we're used to, used to seeing. But... Yeah, you you make a good point. You know, he was the rock in movies for a while until he wanted to be Dwayne Johnson. But Dwayne Johnson still is just kind of the rock. And the rock is funny. It's the only reason why anyone likes him in the first place. There are a million guys who are ripped, who walk around boasting their chest, bragging that they're an alpha male badass who can whoop your ass and the strongest guy in the world. But having that humility, making jokes, that's where his bread and butter's at. And so when he plays these badass characters, it's just going to be this flat, boring performance. Uh, he doesn't have the depth to play whatever's going on inside their mind. I also, I also feel like he's the kind of actor that it really does matter who's across from him. Uh, it just it just does. Like He, he plays off of people. Yeah, he plays found, off of people. And when he doesn't... You're right. Ha- he's out. found these people. You know, through the, the Fast and Furious franchise is where he met... Um, Jason Statham and they had good on-screen chemistry, which is why they got their own spinoff film at the, you know, disgust of all the other people in the fast and furious franchise. And then how many movies has he done with Kevin Hart at this point? Who like, I, you know, good like for them. That they get along so well, but I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm clamoring to see more of them together. It's not as funny as right. they think they are. They're not right. I'm, I'm with you. So, so, some of those movies are pretty funny, but yeah, no. I think the real hero here is Doom. Uh, I am a big fan yeah. of Pain and Gain, the Michael Bay film with Mark Wahlberg and, and Dwayne Johnson and Anthony Mackie. I think that one's pretty solid. Probably one of The Rock's better acting parts. I think that's funny because he just basically plays a muscle head right. idiot. He plays himself, but with a but just like a dumber version of himself. Uh, and to Jahan's point, yeah, he has a little humility. He's willing to just be stupid. And the one where he's stupid is a better performance than the other ones because trying to act like a badass is not cool. It's just not. It's not a cool thing to do. 
His yeah. next movie is called Red One. It's directed by Jake Kasdan, who is the same director who's done the past two Jumanji movies. So, and that's that's been one of the Rock's things too, right? Or excuse me, Dwayne Johnson's things is he finds these directors and he works with them a lot. So you've you know he same with Red Notice. He's been in multiple times. He finds these guys that aren't even like. Like at least you know with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was in Terminator, right? He like he was directed by James Cameron. He's been directed by these big name people. The Rock really hasn't had that. Like the Rock's not gonna be in a Denis Villeneuve movie, like like uh, Batista has been, or in a Cameron movie, or in a Scorsese movie, or Spielberg, or any of the. I just don't see it happening. He just is going to find his his jobbers that'll do these action movies with The Rock as the star, and I think he's happy with that. I mean, that dude's stacking paper, dude. Oh, he's yeah. Stacking, he's making, all he's making money. a house out of money. All I money. could make a Rock movie that people want to see. And all you have to do is make Black Adam, except instead of him trying to be badass, he just gets to be really funny. You just have him make fun of everyone he's fighting. And he's not playing Black Adam. He is playing mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson. And you if have he, to go. If he got the Black Adam powders? No, you have to go to him. It's the, reg, the regular Dwayne Johnson in Los Angeles. And aliens invade. And they say, we need your most powerful human to fight for the human race. Oh, I'd watch the hell and out of that. You get Dwayne Johnson and then you send him off with the aliens. And it's just him beating the shit out of aliens in a coliseum, quipping one-liners. Like banging <laughs> alien ladies. It's really funny. It's almost the plot the Galaxy Quest. It's re- so, that's just, really funny. So I think I could make a really good rock movie, but actually, I think it than says I would, dude. I would watch. It that. says everything about Dwayne Johnson that one of the big stories leading up to Black Adam was there's no muscle padding in the shoot in the suit. You know, there's no. It's that is his body. The suit is just basically a thin layer on his body. There are no fake muscles in that. I mean, who gives? Like a that's, sh- that's the thing. Like, okay, well good you are not proportionally shaped like any other living human being good for <laughs> good for you it's because he has chest implants that is a myth that he is literally myth. has what what a believable one it might be true but i believe that is that is a myth you can't say it's a myth if it might be true it is, <laughs> it is definitely a myth but some myths right are based on truth yeah, his pecs only, did, did get really big out of nowhere. but It's only a myth because he's a legend. That's the only reason. Yeah, there's, right. no, uh, there's no scars. There's no doctor, right? So he's, uh, <laughs> those are natural boobies. Do y'all know off the yeah, top I, of your head how old The Rock is? If I had to guess, I would say about 52. Uh, yeah, that's actually probably a pretty good guess. Let's go with 48. Wow, so it's, it's the average. He is 50, right? Right in the middle. So yeah, 50 on the dot. So anyway, I guess that's it. That's I, I I'm always going to go see his movies because I have this weird loyalty, but it's just I think 10 years ago, I was really excited of the premise of The Rock being the biggest movie star on the planet and where that would go. And now, 10 years later, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> it didn't, 
You, you got a top five? Uh, me, you guys I got mean, top five? I have to pull up his filmography. Top and look five really quick. rock movies? Yeah. I have to pick five movies that I like that The Rock was in. You can pick in, three, man. That's fine. In right, no yeah, order. Easier. Let's do top three. I'm pulling out. Can I choose multiple Fast and the Furious movies, or can I only choose one? You can do whatever you want. I'll give a shit. Yeah, it's your show, bro. Do whatever you want. I'm going to say Fast Five, because that was his first appearance in it, and I think that's the best of all the Fast movies, personally. So I'm going to say Fast Five. Moana, for sure, would be up there. And he's a voiceover role, but I don't care. He's I like him as Maui. And now I struggle. <laughs> That's the sad part. See, I would all right. So I would say probably I'd say the rundown: Doom, Scorpion King, uh, Moana, and then probably Walking Tall would be my probably my quick five. If I just had to poop them out real quick, that would be pain and, what's pain in the and gain would be on my right. list. Uh, maybe the saw. rundown. And I and I would almost say fighting with my family in which he just plays himself, but it's because I like that movie. You guys really don't seem very high on Baywatch. I thought Baywatch was super funny. I see. And I, I did not actually. like Baywatch very much, but I I do like the Jumanji. I, I know like the first Jumanji movie. The second one was less good, so maybe I might put the first. Jumanji I'm gonna go. In there. Yeah, I'm gonna go Jumanji. Uh, Jumanji. And Jumanji. Jumanji, Jumanji, <laughs> and Jumanji. I know. Do. <laughs> I know Troy really liked Baywatch, apparently, so that's good. Uh, but yeah. That I mean, yeah, The Rock. Good for you. I would like to do I would like to do a Batista discussion, I, apparently. I, I think you, That'd be you good. inadvertently just hit the nail on the head, yeah. Jahan. That's the wrap up. The Rock, good for you. I think that's I think that's about where we stand. <laughs> <laughs> that summarizes it all. Yeah, kind of. I don't hate the guy. He's but, making money. You do you, but it puts you know. Drew's butt in a seat, and it does not put my butt in a seat. Doesn't put my butt in a seat either. I don't have that nostalgia. I didn't grow up watching it. Here's, here's the other thing. Oh, oh. My mom was worried I was going to imitate. Here's a little perspective as well. So I saw right. Black Adam with my dad. He and I went to the theater together, Ooh. and. Uh, after the movie, we didn't even talk about the movie. We talked about other stuff, life stuff, and then left. And he texted me, um, let's see, about a day or two, two days after we saw it. And he said, I forgot to ask you, what did you think of the movie? He said to me, I said, I like The Rock, <laughs> but I did not think it was very good. And he said. And my dad, who is notoriously not difficult to please, like would usually be like, yeah, that's fine. He said, I feel about the same. Nothing to rave about. So that is my father's review. Black Adam, nothing to rave about from somebody who is not not a critic and, you know, usually fine with CGI action on the screen. Said, meh. <laughs> All right, we'll get into some quick, fresh picks for the week. And I'm going to start with a segment that I'm bringing back. Drew's Oscar Corner is here once again. Drew's Clues, <laughs> Drew's Clues. Drew's Oscar Spotlight. We just got a letter. We just got I a letter. I saw a film 
called Tar. Have you all heard of Tar? Yes, uh, dinosaurs used to get stuck in it. It was hot. They would die. People use it on roadways and roofs. Uh, this is the yeah, same I know joke what Tar is. I made. If you mix it with black and heroin, you have so. A party. So Tar is also has been on the, the film festival circuit here lately, and it just came out in theaters this weekend. Uh, and it stars Kate Blanchett as a composer named Lydia Tar. And this is a two hour and 40 minute film about, uh, about those who have mastered their craft and essentially whether or not those people are allowed to be assholes or not. <laughs> I think it's how I would put it into perspective. <laughs> That's kind of really funny. Is this made by my dad? This is a... <laughs> what craft is that asshole master? Being an asshole. Being an asshole. <laughs> it is a fictional story about a composer who is one of the greatest living composer conductors, excuse me, conductors in the world. And along with that comes power and comes privilege and comes a person who takes advantage of those things. And whether or not you can understand why or not. And it is. It, this is a lot of critics are like all on board. This is the best film of the year, so on and so forth. I, I'm not in that class. I'm not saying this is a masterpiece, but this is by far the best acting performance I've seen this year. If not one of the best acting performances I've seen ever. I think Kate Blanchett is incredible. It sounds a little bit like train. No, not train rig whiplash. It has some whiplash vibes, but this is a more of a slow burn. And it's, I mean, a really intense focus on this one character and kind of investigates cancel culture a bit. Um, and, you know, at first you see this person and, and where they're, where they're at and how they're living. And as you see more into that, you start to realize like, oh man, maybe this person is abusing their, their privileges. And I think it's a very fascinating look into this character. Um, I think it's Kate Blanchett's pretty much a sure bet to be nominated for an Oscar this year and potentially even win. Um, this is just one of those tour de force performances that I don't know if anybody's going to be able to overlook, despite the fact that she has two Oscars already. So um, that is tar. It's just T a R and the a has a little accent on it. So that's tar. Uh, I bet it's no, it's no Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> So that's Tar. Um, and then I wanted to talk. This is kind of a random one, but I've been watching this show with my wife. Have either of you all watched Wall Street on HBO Max? Or are you familiar with it? No. Surprisingly, no. I usually watch all the new stuff that pops out at least an episode. I can to totally see you getting binging through this really fast, Gary. So this is a docu-series about Mark Wahlberg and his life outside of movies and all of his business ventures. Um, oh, that's why I wouldn't watch it because I hate Mark Wahlberg because he's a racist yeah, he's, monster. His, his history <laughs> is um, interesting. Um, but as a businessman, he partners with a lot. He's got the Wahlbergers, uh, food chain he's got his municipal clothing line he has his f45 gym franchise which 
I don't know if there's any F-45s in Taos, New Mexico, Gary, but within ever since watching the show, there are like four or five <laughs> F-45 gyms on every corner around here. Like he, that gym is popping up everywhere and that's his his franchise. Um, he has his film production company and and documentary con- uh, company. He has his water brand. He has car dealerships. He has uh, he's partnering with a shoe company. He has a tequila now. It's just he has his hand. It, it, when you start watching how busy he is with all his businesses, it almost seems like so he's a capitalist monster. That's great. I hate him even more. It, it the seems more like I his movie making him. is just like luxury cash at this point. Like that's that's like his easy stuff he does, and then in between he has all these businesses. He's also a terrible, terrible actor who's very, very bad in everything. And I don't think that anything in this show is going to win you over if that's how you feel about him. But it's definitely interesting. Like watching him and all the stuff he does just makes me tired. I'm like, no, I could I could never. Um, That's why he does probably a ton of cocaine. (laughs) Probably. It's but it's. Nah, man, he's so rich. He's too rich for cocaine. He probably, like, gets, like, a special exotic fish that, like, bites his scrotum that, mm. like, gives him, like, the energy of Zeus. You have to put it, you have to, like, an enema fish that bites the inside Watch of it. There you go. Mark yeah. Wahlberg's enema fish. I mean, fish. he, unreal levels of wealth. It is just insane, our movie stars. It, what a world. What a world we live in. Is, so that's it Wall is Street. Crazy. It is on HBO Max. And then last, I was going to talk about a video game briefly called Deathloop, um, which is a Bethesda produced game and which, as we now know, uh, Microsoft owns. However, this game was interesting because prior to Bethesda being purchased by Microsoft, there was a exclusivity, a limited exclusivity deal for Deathloop with Sony PlayStation. So Deathloop was released on PlayStation a year before it came to Xbox. Um, but now that that year exclusivity is up, it is on Xbox and on Game Pass since Bethesda is owned by Microsoft. Deathloop is a Groundhog Day style shooter. Um, where you wake your character wakes up on a beach with no equipment and you progress through a day and every day that day resets and you learn more information and you find clues and you retain knowledge, but you don't retain all of your gear and things like that. So you're trying to figure out how to break the loop by finding more clues every day. Um, This game does not start out as fun because it's very challenging at first. But as you find, you can find ways to retain gear and such. And as you start to get stronger and learn your way around these different maps, the game starts to become more fun and you start to feel more powerful and you get new abilities. I think it's a really fascinating game, um, the way this concept works. And I... For y'all as as gamers and Game Pass subscribers, I'd recommend you try it out. It's it's a it is a, a single player game, uh, so that's worth noting. There's there is a somewhat multiplayer aspect to it in the sense of as you're playing the game, you can potentially be invaded by a character named Juliana who will come into your game and try to kill you, and that can be a player controlled character 
Yeah, you can invade. Yeah, so you can yeah. play as Juliana and invade other people's games. Um, early on when I was playing it, Juliana kept entering my game and just ruining me and destroying my runs through through these maps. Like when I'd have a really good run and be collecting gear and she'd come in and whoop my ass. So I actually turned my game so that only friends can invade my game. Um, so she still will invade, but it'll be oh, an AI mess character. So it'll be a, or an NPC version. Uh, but that's death loop see so uh so i'm a big fan of like the groundhog's day mechanic uh just like i like it in movies um i don't know why i also really enjoy majora's mask probably my favorite um zelda game and you know that it has a lot of that it, so- it sounds like you're doing kind of that this sounds fun i have it downloaded on my xbox already like it's sitting there i just haven't it got a is- chance yet I really, I really so want to play. It's published by Bethesda, but it's developed by Arcane, and Arcane did the Dishonored games, and it's very. I think they've actually come yeah. out since and said Deathloop takes okay. place in the Dishonored universe, which makes sense. They did recently confirm yeah. that, and it, it plays very similar to. It makes a lot of sense. It really does. When I played it, I did not love it, and it being related to Dishonored kind of connects the dots for me there. Uh, the Dishonored games are okay, but they're not my favorite of the I properties. I did not like Dishonored very much. Dishonored 1, I thought was okay. <laughs> Dishonored 2 took me a bit to get into it, but once I did, I thought it was extremely good. Um, but yeah, Deathloop, it, it definitely it takes the Dishonored kind of controls and, and worlds and makes it into this Groundhog Day style story that I think is interesting. It's just a really interesting concept for a game and works, but it's like it's one of those that you play and like you're having fun, but you almost question if you're having fun, especially when you're getting wrecked during it. Or <laughs> it sounds like FPS Majora's Mask, and I'm all in. So I'll, I'm definitely. So that's try Deathloop. It out. I haven't talked about any video games for myself in a while, so I just wanted to give it a shout out. Absolutely, I'm up next. My name's Jahan, and I like <laughs> stuff. Uh, I don't know. My my watching's been kind of weird lately. Uh, you ever seen Nailed It? Is this where they bake stuff or make stuff uh, and try to make it look like pictures? Bro, na- Nailed It is hilarious. So it's hosted by Nicole Byers, who's hilarious. She's a comedian. Uh, you might know her from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. She's uh, Trudy's sister. Uh, it's re- she's really funny <laughs> in that. Yeah, she's the host, Gary. It's Judy Trudy. Judy Trudy. Yeah, and Trudy Judy or whatever. Uh. Yeah, it's she's she's the host, and then there's also a, a famous French pastry chef. Is your coast or co-star Jacques? And he has a very th- he has an accent. Uh, he's a really he's like the nicest guy in the world, but he's an actual pastry chef. Then they just bring in people out of their living rooms that don't know how to bake, or like they bake it like really bad cakes as a hobby. You know, they just kind of enjoy it, but they're not good at it. None of them are good at it. Then they make them bake something very complicated, right? Like uh, they'll make them um, do like a like a photorealistic pumpkin that when you cut into it, slime comes out or something. Like they, they make them do really complicated stuff, but they do not give them anywhere near enough time. <laughs> like they, they, they really don't have the time to do it and they definitely don't have the skill you know i'm a big fan of cutthroat kitchen how does this compare to cutthroat kitchen in like uh, cooking entertainment value it's almost 
so in cooking event, uh, entertainment value, absolutely, it's up there. Uh, cool. But it is kind of the opposite of Cutthroat Kitchen because it's kind of fun. Like you do win ten thousand dollars, but no one gets cut in the first round. One person like wins that round and gets to wear like a Golden Chef hat for the rest of the the game, and then like wins like some prize. Like usually it'll be. Uh, like a like a stand mixer or like a whole set of pants. It'll be something. Uh, and then at the end, you win the trophy and $10,000. There's always a guest host. Recently, they did a whole uh, episode with like people from Cobra Kai as like guest hosts. One of them, Dimitri from Cobra Kai, actually participated and baked. And that was really funny. Uh, but so they'll put their things behind, like they'll, they'll, they'll hide their stuff and then They'll be like, nailed it, and they, like, reveal it, and it looks terrible. Everyone laughs at them, uh, and then they have to eat that terrible cake, and oftentimes it's undercooked. They're like, this is raw. It's so bad, and, like, it's just really funny. It's a it's a comedic cooking show. Uh, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. They just did yeah, a whole... It seems like fun. Yeah, they just did a whole um, Halloween sh- uh, episode. They do know some of the time, and they'll pull people and theming in from Netflix shows. Because it is a Netflix show, and I think they do really well with that. Um, it's funny; it is absolutely funny. Nicole Byers has like this just hilarious energy about her. Um, absolutely recommend it. Absolutely certified fresh. I've been watching it for like a long, long time. Uh, they have many, many seasons. Uh, next for me, I only watched a little bit, but uh, new season of Big Mouth is out. I saw like the first episode. Uh, Jenny's a huge fan. Uh, especially of Lola, but I mean, this show still got it. It's still funny. It's still raunchy, kind of in the wrong way. Uh, it's still very funny. Big Mouth Big, is back. If it still has it, then that means it never got it because Big Mouth is just so raunchy and works so blue and it's just so vulgar that it, it is. is bereft of any comedy by the end of like three or four episodes. See, I just, I it doesn't lose it for me. I enjoy it. Uh, I feel like they, they do a lot of really, really funny stuff, uh, really funny scenarios. And a lot of it, I mean, it's very, a lot of it is puberty, man. They just kind of take it a little too far sometimes. But, I mean, they do talk about puberty in a very interesting way in this show, for sure. It definitely started off that way. Nick Kroll was very, very funny in The League, and I've never seen Nick Kroll be funny in anything else ever again in my entire life. (laughs) See, I like Nick Kroll. I thought he was funny in The Kroll Show. Uh, I think he's really funny in this. He's Um, funny in Sausage Party. Oh, God. (laughs) Sausage Party. Kroll Show, to me, like was so bad and so cringy that I would expect Big Mouth to be made by the guy who was canceled because Kroll's show was so bad. Mm. To me, like, it totally tracks and it's all just trash. I just think Nick Kroll, he and I do not fire on the same wavelengths for comedy. I mean, it's fair. If you don't didn't like previous seasons of Big Mouth, this is not going to do it for you. It's yeah, the same. <laughs> it's the same. It's just not going to do it for you. Uh, I mean, it's still got that same humor. Uh, Nick Kroll still sounds like Will Arnett when he's the hormone monster, but it's not him. They even make a joke about it, and I really, really appreciated that. He's like, oh, yeah, that's not Will Arnett. That's just me. Uh, <laughs> Will Arnett. So, Big Mouth. Yeah, enjoy. Or don't. <laughs> and then finally, like, I've been watching Rick and Morty. Big fan of Rick and Morty. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed all the seasons. If you haven't, I understand. 
Uh, they get a little there's there's a bit where it gets out of pocket at a certain point. Uh, like I feel like season like four and five like kind of, but five starts bringing it back. Uh, and then this is season six. They just did their you seen three. It was three, yeah, man. It was Pickle Rick when uh, they jumped the shark halfway through that season. Uh, it got pretty unwatchably bad. And- I think Pickle Rick was when the show was like Rick and Morty. Like that was the time frame. And then after that, I feel like they were trying to maybe Pickle, Pickle Rick, Rick too much. I remember I think that's like <laughs> through cultural osmosis, even if you didn't watch Rick and Morty, like you knew Pickle Rick. I feel like that kind of... And I think that's... That was it. That was the problem. Once they got, once they reached out that far, they had reached too far. Pickle Rick, like, it was a cultural phenomenon, and I think they kept just trying to recapture that and failing. You're right. It is, I wouldn't say that the episode was when the show, like, lost it, but it was because of the episode, for sure. That season's really so I've solid. I've never watched um, I think that's the season. Rick and Morty. It's just funny you bring it up, because, Jahan, literally, like, earlier this week, I watched the first episode for the first time and thought it was quite funny. So I, uh, it's just ironic you bring that up. It's really good, I, I didn't good, put man. it on my list because I've only that watched is... one episode, but I plan to start, like, digging into it here and there. Yeah. So I, so I am a big fan. Uh, it has the worst fan base of anything ever. It's terrible. Uh, it's almost as bad as like Star Wars fans, <laughs> but like, um, it's really good show, and I really enjoy some of the extent. The comics are actually really funny too, and then they do a whole series of like Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons crossover where they like play D anD D. Those comics are really good. I highly recommend uh, them. Uh, I think one of them is like Rick and Morty and the Painscape, and then the other one's just like D anD D. But I recommend those to anyone that's a fan. But the newest season of Rick and Morty really brings it back to like the magic of the first couple seasons. Um, they they bring it back, and it is it's beautiful to see. They're on a mid season break. Catch up and get ready for when they come back from break because I think this season is going to be a good one. Um, God, I love Rick and Morty. But yeah, I'm going to try. That's... You know what, Jahan? I'm going to try. I'm just going to jump into this season. Uh, I feel like I'll... there's probably not anything I really like missed that really matters to enjoying the comedy that is Rick and Morty. Yeah, no, this man, there's a the season or uh, the episode with uh, the sleep people. Uh, <laughs> I think that episode's great. Um, but seriously, every single one of the, I think it's six episodes of the new season. Each one has had something that I'm like, man, that's really good. Uh, and I can't wait to play their new game coming out. Um, it's not a Rick and Morty game, but the. Oh, yeah, the Justin Roiland shooter game. Yeah, the Justin Roiland uh, high oh, on right. life that game coming like to Xbox Game Pass. A month and a half away from that. I think it comes out early December. I'm excited for that. You can already pre install. You can already pre install. I'm excited too. I hear good things. But yeah. I have high on life pre installed myself. I like I like them. I like their extended universe and I like the other content these people make. So I'm just a fan. If you're not, that's okay. Um, recently there was a Hulu Halloween special that was a Justin Roiland project and it was just so bad. So cringy. That didn't look good to me. Yeah. Big jokes, all ass jokes. It's they, I believe they use a couple of hateful hate speech words and they're like, Oh, I can't believe, I can't believe that you said that on our special. You're not supposed to say hate speech on our special. And it's just all of it missed. It wasn't funny. It's was trying so hard, man. And I guess I don't like all their stuff because I also I also don't like Solar Opposites very much. I feel like Solar Opposites is almost 
really Justin funny. Roiland but I don't think it's isn't different. the funnier one. Justin Roiland has a funny voice. Dan Harmon <laughs> hits comedy. So these just these Justin yeah. Roiland only projects are like bad. Oh my god, they're bad. He needs someone directing him or writing for him or guiding him. He sounds very funny, but he's very very gross. He's gross. Um. I don't have a show to talk about. What I have is a game to talk about. And it's not a great game. And I don't recommend that you spend $70 on Gotham Knights. Why is $70 the new price for a video game? I don't know. That's a conversation for us to have on another day. Because games are no longer using shipping. So we probably shouldn't be paying full price for digital versions. Uh, I think it just costs costs a whole lot to make them. And then... Unfortunately, now though you pay that much and they are broken at launch or they have to get patches. It's not like back in the day where you bought an N64 cartridge and that was the game. This is, you know, we're in the day of day one patches. I don't, and you pay all this money in pre order and yeah. they're not delivering. So, Gotham Knights, Jahan and I are excited because Gotham Knights is a two player, beat em up, wide open city. Uh, Batman game where you play as Red Hood, Robin, Nightwing, and Batgirl. You play as any of those two. They all have different fighting systems. They all have different skills. Uh, this game has basically all of the words that I love. The The problem with the game comes in with how sort of the city is populated and generated. There aren't random crimes going on uh, while you're out going around like Spider-Man. Instead, you are out for the night. And on night one, there might be a couple of crimes on the northernmost island and maybe some on the south island. So you go and do those and then you're done. You go back to the Belfry and you level up. You upgrade your gear, which is like a pretty simple crafting system uh, that doesn't really seem to change a whole lot about your fighting style or anything. It's just kind of... No, it's just numbers. Just numbers on a page. Uh, That's not super exciting. Uh, It feels a lot like the Spider-Man PlayStation game if you ripped all of those random events out of the world and you had to go back to base in between every mission and so you had to like go out and do one or three random missions and then come back to the base and then go out and do three random missions and come back to the base so it's kind of a weird feeling game it's kind of an empty city um the city is kind of empty combat is fun enough i enjoy beating the crap out of a bunch of gangsters I just noticed while I was doing it that the gangsters were all wearing the same outfits. Uh, There is like, you know, four or six different gangster outfits. So after a while, you're just fighting the same bad guys over and over and over. And sometimes you're fighting a group of guys wearing the exact same shirt with the same haircut because they're all the exact same character that rendered in. Uh, Sometimes there are special monsters to fight, like big guys with shields. Yeah, so far we've discovered one. Like a big guy with a shield, you hold the strong attack button so that you can attack him when it's down. It's been the height of combat so far, yeah. There's not a lot of variety in the combat. We think that that will change as we go on. I think that they're going to, like, we'll unlock more gangs around the city, and maybe it'll become more vibrant, but that's not how Driving the bat cycles is weird. They go from zero to, like, 200 miles an hour instantly, and they more or less turn on a dime. You, You can't really crash into anything. You just keep going. You hold A to pop a wheelie instead of like having to actually try to balance and pop a wheelie. You can't, no it doesn't make it harder to drive either. It doesn't make it harder to drive. You can't crick in. You can't crash. It's just weird. It's a strange game. It's a good idea. And there's a lot of good bones there. And beating up bad guys as a Batman sidekick with your friend 
and having leveling up skills is a blast and I'm all about it. And the characters fight differently and I'm totally in. But the empty city, lack of variety and pretty much just the, this, the bones of a good game with none of the filling or stuffing or icing uh, makes this a pretty shallow game that I would suggest picking up at $35 uh, certainly nothing over 50. Maybe maybe you would feel good about it if you picked it up for 45 or 40. Um, but not 70, not 50. I would say look for a sale for Gotham Knights. It's definitely fun to play with your friends. And I think a lot of the reviews that maybe IGN and some of the other game companies had, maybe they had played the game solo. It feels a lot more empty solo for the reasons I described. It really feels empty. But when you're with a friend and you're beating everybody's asses, it, it's a lot more fun. It, the co-op is really good. It's good co-op. It works. It's functional. We didn't have any problems. And you could see where the other person is. You're untethered. You can go as far as you want from everybody. They, they A lot of people complain about the 60 FPS being 30 FPS now. You can't tell. Um, my problems, like this game, it, does, it feels like they had a really good idea, and they were doing it. And then they're like, you know what? Eh, good enough. And then they pushed it out. That's what it feels like. It feels like they just kind of stopped. I feel like out. they didn't know what else to do with it. And you're absolutely right. They were making it and they had something good and they were like, I think this is it, right? We made they had the something really good, yeah. And then they just didn't, maybe there's, there's more depth to be had and maybe they'll add it with DLC. The investigations are cool. Uh, whenever you interact with an investigation, both players can look and interact with the clues at the same time to trigger, figure out what's going on. It's not stuck to whatever person's interacting you're, you're not stuck where you can't move. You can, you know, you're part of the puzzle. You're the playing the good, too. Yeah. The, a lot of that stuff felt good. When we played Saints Row, the co-op felt like it was a one-player game where they allowed you to have a second player in your game, uh, and it didn't feel right. But yeah. Gotham Knights is intended to be played co-op, and I know Yeah, that. it's just... And they're talking about releasing that four-player mode down the road. I don't know how that's going to change it, but maybe it'll be good. I... I... I loved the Arkham games and Arkham Knight came out in Same. 2015. So it's a shame that it's been, if you include Batman, the Arkham VR game for PlayStation VR, that did come out in between, but otherwise other, other than that, it's been seven years since we've been able to go into the Arkham world. And it, and this game just isn't what I would have asked for as far as a jump back into that. But it's, it's a shame that it is, what it is based on what y'all are saying i'm curious if the negative reviews how it's selling but if it'll result in any good black friday sales on it so i might pick it up in a month if if the price point is right um gary what's what price would you say if in a black friday sale saints row comes down what would you pay for saints row in a black friday sale that justifies purchasing it I think Saints Row is a $20 game uh, or a Game Pass game. <laughs> and I think that Gotham Knights, if you have a friend to play with, is a $40 game. And if you don't, I really don't think Fair you're going to like it very much. I, I agree with that sentiment. Uh, I would not pay $20 for Saints Row. I would play it again if it was on Game Pass. Though. Cool. Well, is that it from everybody? I think, I think we did it. Did we do it? I I didn't know we yeah. used someone that worked for Warner Brothers Interactive, Gary. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Friend of the show, Troy Hewitt, worked for Warner Brothers International. Uh, 
Troy was given given their input on some of the Warner Brothers interactive stuff over on our YouTube chat. Don't forget, if you're a fan of the show, you can watch us uh, during the podcast. We do the podcast every other Saturday. You can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on Facebook or Twitch. Uh, and with that, I'll go ahead and let you know who I am. It's me, Casualty CDG. I'm the co-host of Fresh Out the Box and Fresh Out the Podcast. Uh, Fresh Out the Box is a show where Jahan and I play tabletop role-playing games with all sorts of different streamers and friends. We play all sorts of different games with different characters and different voices. Uh, and we try to cut up and have a good time and also teach you some new games that you could be playing with your friends. Uh, so if you're interested with tabletop games or storytelling games, come by and check out Fresh Out the Box every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Um, and then, of course, this is Fresh Out the Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, and your loved ones to... Get their favorite ice cream cone and listen to an episode. I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. Thank you for listening to episode 67. Fresh out the podcast. I believe the plan for next week on episode 58, excuse me, 68 lost 10 there um, for episode 68 is to do a dive into Black Panther Wakanda forever. And that's the first that Gary and Jahan have even known that that's my plan. But that's that's the plan. Well, I'm definitely going to see you ASAP. So, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, hi, I'm Jahan Anand. Uh, and on Elon Musk's $44 billion personal uh, diary live journal, uh, I am at RockFact. So go ahead and hit me up on uh, Elon Musk's complete loss of sanity. And, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, and stay fresh. fresh.